Good morning, folks. I'd like to uh, pause your conversations for a, a short period of time and can start them again when, uh, when we finish the meeting. Before I uh, bring God's word to us, um, I wanted to, I've, I've actually got a notice to bring as well. And I just want to point out that bringing the notice is not part of my time of my sermon. Before you, so if you're one of these people who likes to check your watch, you'll have to wait before you start. Okay, so this is uh, a notice for West Point. Now, a lot of you probably know what West Point is, but uh, just to recap, it's a four-day Christian festival uh, down in Devon that we as a church uh, attend. It's on the 23rd to the 27th of August, which is the bank holiday weekend. And so far we have over 90 people, yeah, 90 people from this church signed up, uh, but there's always room for more, hence the notice. So you can camp, or you can do stay off site and stay at a B&B. It's a real great opportunity uh, to fellowship together as a church, and for me this is one of the key areas really. We go away, we spend time together as a church and and it really does develop relationships amongst us. It's brilliant. It's also a great opportunity to spend time with other commissioned churches as well. We get to, we spend time worshipping God. We have great Bible teaching but also there there is uh, festival activities as well such as craft workshops Bouncy castles, a coffee shop, and a myriad of other things to do whilst you're there. As a church, we have a, a cooking cooperative, and we have a, a large marquee on our site area. We have a, a joint meal together on the Saturday. The reason, I guess, to remind you is if you are thinking of going... Uh, there's a price rise on the 24th of April. So, you know, if you've been holding back, holding back your pennies before booking in, just note, 24th of April, the price goes up again. So do book in before then. And just one further thing, really, is if, if maybe you think, yes, I'd love to go, but I'm struggling a bit with finances, that needn't stop you from going. Please come and speak to one of the leadership team about that. There is a leaflet, West Point leaflet, with various information on the back, which is just out through the doors to the left underneath the Harvest Church notice board. Have we got a notice board? Yes, we have. It's just out there on the left. So underneath there, West Point. Or come and speak to me. Right, if you can start your watches now if you want to. So... Many of you probably know me. I've been around in this church for over 20 years. And I wanted to ask you a question about me. Okay? So, do you... Hands up if you think I am an extrovert. Wow. I, hands up who thinks I'm an introvert. Most of you. Brilliant. What am I? I am an introvert. I, uh, the whole subject of fear um, 
You know, it is very poignant for me as someone who doesn't like to be up on the public stage, to be uh, trying to build friendships with strangers. Uh, you know, personally, I find that really, really tough. I find it tough getting up here, not just to preach, but to stand up and maybe bring a prophetic word or to lead a group. I, I worry that I might get it wrong. I, I, I have a fear that I might be rejected or that I might make a fool of myself, that I will forget things that you might even laugh at me. But there are two reasons I still do it. The first is this. I want to please and glorify my God. That is my heart's desire, to please and glorify him, to do what he wants me to do. And secondly, I want to see this church strengthened, moving on, people moving on in their relationship with him. And so those two things drive me to step out of my comfort zone, to uh, ignore the worries, to ignore the fears, to press in and be courageous. And so as we've been doing this mini-series on fear, so this is the third uh, one on fear, for me it's something I think, yes, I need this, and therefore there must be plenty of others who need this as well. Today, we're going to be looking at the roots, or some roots, of fear. And as you'll see as as I go through, you'll realise that actually this is something very close to my heart, things that I've had to deal with, uh, deep roots of fear that I've had to work through in my life. And so I I feel as though what I'm going to bring is not just a, a sermon, but it actually... It's a personal testimony as well. Before I do that, I just want to to pray. Father God, I I thank you that uh, your desire for your people here is to see them uh, breaking out of fear, to know a boldness from you, to to be able to uh, go where you send them, to, to do what... You want us to do. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are about transforming lives. You are about emboldening people. And I pray, Lord, this morning, would you break down barriers? Would you release people from fear? May chains be broken here this morning, I pray. Amen. What is... The most frequent instruction in the Bible. Anyone got any guesses? Shout it out. Pardon? Fear not. not. In the Bible, the most frequent instruction, over 300 times, God said in various ways, do not fear. He said it to Abraham, Elijah, King Jehoshaphat, to Daniel, to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, to Mary, the mother of Jesus. He said it to the shepherds on the hillside, and he said it to the disciples, and he said it many, many more times. Do you think God is 
trying to bring a focus here. God knows that we have fears. God knows that we worry. He knows that we get anxious. But he doesn't want us to be. Now you could look at this instruction and say, God is saying, thou shalt not fear. And therefore, oh, I'm not going to fear. But actually that's not how God is coming across. God is coming across as a loving parent. He's persuading. He, he's trying to get alongside and say, don't fear, I'm here. Not a command, but a gentle persuasion. God says, do not fear. But why is it so important that we don't fear? Fear, as many of you may know, can make us physically ill. We can get sick. It can actually harm our bodies as we spend time stressing over things, worrying, fearing. It can even it can cause depression. Fear can also stop us from doing things, maybe things that we enjoy, things that we need to do, or even things that God has asked us to do. It can paralyze us into doing nothing. Now, children seem to have many fears. They can be afraid of the dark. They can be afraid of being left alone. Even afraid of the monster under the bed. And parents look to help their children overcome their fears. But many parents have fears of their own, which they haven't dealt with. Now, I had a very quick search on the internet. I was trying to work out how many fears there might be. I came across a website, the top 100 fears. So you can imagine there are a lot more than 100 fears. These are just the top 100. But people are scared of all sorts of things. Some of them you understand. I maybe understand, some of them I don't. Some of them seem very strange to me, and some of them I think, yeah, I think I maybe struggle with that one. I wanted this morning to look at two areas with respect to the roots of fear. The first one is to do with the fall. It's to do with when Adam and Eve first sinned. They took the forbidden fruit They sinned. They broke relationship with God. And the second one is to do with past traumatic events or traumatic periods of our lives. Now, these aren't the only areas, but they are two, I think, that are very dominant in our lives. So let's start with the first area, and we're going to read from Genesis 3, verses 8 to 10. So Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. God has created everything, and uh, the serpent has come, and instead of booting the serpent out, Adam and Eve have listened to the serpent. They've taken the forbidden fruit 
and they've eaten it. And we start after that point, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Adam and Eve started with an unblemished relationship with God. God created them in his image. They met with God, it seems, daily in the cool of the night. They spoke face to face with him. God had given them dominion over the earth. God said, given the, told them that they were to rule over the whole earth. It was all theirs. And I would suggest that at this point in their lives, they had no fear. Perfect relationship with God. All the authority that they needed. No fear. And yet, having taken and eaten the fruit and having sinned, we see they are afraid. What's happened here? Two things. Their relationship with God, which was perfect, had been broken and lost. And secondly, the authority that God had given them, they had handed on to Satan. They had handed it over, given over their dominion. And they were now afraid. Let's compare that to a passage in Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 23 to 27. This is now talking about Jesus and his disciples. And they're going across the lake. Then, they, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, here we have uh, the disciples who many were hardened fishermen. They'd grown up on this lake. They knew what a storm looked like. Jesus is a carpenter. Yes, he's probably been out of lake, on the lake sometimes, but he's not a hardened fisherman. But yet, the disciples are afraid. Jesus is asleep. He's not afraid. Here, I think, is the opposite from what we see in Adam and Eve. They had lost a perfect relationship and given up authority. Jesus is in perfect relationship with God, the Father, and has all the authority. 
Adam and Eve were afraid, as were the disciples. Jesus was not. So what am I saying here? A relationship in fear often comes because of not being in relationship with God. In fact, as we grow in our relationship with God, we should be seeing fears broken. We should be seeing a releasing of our fears as, our, as we grow to know God better. Now, it's just a quick note here. You might be saying, well, I think I know some non-Christians who are probably less fearful than I am. I would say it depends on the baseline you've started from. It depends on the traumas and, and how life has been for you as to where you are in that walk with God and seeing your fears dispelled. It may be a lack of willingness to change, to let God deal with fears in our lives, to step out boldly for him. Luke 22, verses 56 Onwards to 60. I want to turn our attention now to the point where Jesus has been arrested. And Peter has made the bold declaration, I'm never going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. Peter, and Jesus has said, you will deny me. Three times before the cock crows. Peter has just followed at a distance Jesus and has come into the courtyard. He sat down and we read this. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. But an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Peter's bold assertions before Jesus turned to fear and abandonment. Peter's confidence in Jesus had gone. His relationship, again, breaking down. But if we flip forward in the story to Matthew 28, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's speaking to his disciples. He says in verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus' authority he gives to the disciples, and particularly Peter, who has denied him, suddenly sees the relationship restored, his 
he receives authority and as we were if we were to go further on in this story we go through pentecost where the holy spirit is poured out on the disciples and we come to a point where the peter stands up in front of thousands declares jesus as lord and thousands are saved such a transformation from someone in fear and abandonment a transforming change his relationship with god restored his authority he, he receives authority and peter breaks that fear stands up boldly and declares god's word my experience is that as we as i have pressed into god as i've trusted him as i've seen my relationship grow so i've seen fears start to shrink back even be conquered in my life one more passage of scripture before we move on to the second area this is acts 4:13 i just want to pick up on the diff- the change in the disciples they have been preaching the word of god um, jesus has ascended into heaven and the, the disciples have been preaching and we read what the rulers say about them acts 4:13 when they saw the courage of peter and john and realized they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus it's basically saying they saw that they'd been in relationship with jesus and there was a boldness about them have i through my relationship with god conquered all my fears no absolutely not it is an ongoing process it's an ongoing relationship with god but as it develops as it strengthens as i realize who god is and what he's done for me so i see those fears dissipating conquered so i want to move on then to the second area which is to do with past traumatic events or periods of our lives peter as we've mentioned had a very traumatic event he denied jesus three times and i didn't touch on it in a moment ago but many of you know the story that when jesus who's uh, risen from the dead and he's appeared to the disciples and one of the first things he does with peter is he works it, it would appear he actually works through this three times rejection by asking peter do you love me three times this occurs and three times peter says yes you know i love you lord and jesus said feed my sheep to me this is a reinstatement of peter but it's also a breaking of the uh, the event that has occurred jesus knew that if peter carried on with that event still in his past not dealt with then peter would not move on in a boldness that he needed to do and this would have been catastrophic for the early church and more so for peter 
I want to now switch really from, in a sense, from preaching to testimony. And I want to share two areas from my own life. From my mid-teens, I struggled with a fear of rejection. I feared that those close to me would reject me. You know what my response was? I wouldn't get close to people. I'd keep them at a distance, at arm's length. If my thinking being that, well, if they weren't close, they couldn't hurt me. Or, even worse, what I might do is reject, other, reject people first. I would reject them so they couldn't reject me. That sound, might sound silly to some of you, but it might not to others. I spent many years ignorant to this fear, thinking, well, I'm struggling with relationships, so obviously I'm, I'm not a very nice person to be with. I had all sorts of thoughts about why I struggled with relationships. But as, through a developing relationship with God, I... Uh, God helped me to see what was happening. To see what I was doing and that my negative thoughts about myself were were incorrect and it was this fear that was driving my relationships with other people. Now you might say, well, obviously I just spent time praying about it, seeking God and it all went away. Well, actually, I did spend time praying about it and seeking God. And I did see some nominal progress. But it didn't go away. I had a, a breakthrough moment quite a number of years ago. Whereby, having read a number of books on spiritual freedom and dealing with past hurts the Holy Spirit revealed to me that past events and the way I'd been treated by certain people in the past had brought about this fear of rejection and that I needed to deal with them, needed to deal with these events and what had occurred. Over the years since, I have willingly partnered with the Holy Spirit as he has revealed particular events or particular people to me where deep roots of that fear of rejection have grown up in my life. It's been very tough on occasions. And it didn't happen all at once, praise God, because I don't think I could have handled it all at once. The Holy Spirit just took me through this stage by stage over a period of time. 
But in order not to just sound a bit wishy-washy here, I felt important to actually share one particular event so that you get a, a real feel for what I'm talking about here. When I was probably about 14 years old, I was part of the Scouts, and uh, I was uh, there. Were the, the the patrols, the, the small groups within our troop, were led by patrol leaders, and I was now at had been there long enough, and was at that age where I was next in line to step up to be a patrol leader to lead one of these small groups. However, um, the existing patrol leaders chose someone a lot younger and a lot less mature than me. They overlooked me, even though I, I was, the, you know, the, I sh- it should have been me. And it, I'd been already working up to that. I'd been kind of temporarily doing the role, and then suddenly I, it was taken away from me. The, lead, the, the adult leaders did nothing about it. And so I had a real, you know, it, it, was, it was a difficult time for me. But what I didn't realize at the time was that it actually it, it really impacted on this whole sense of rejection in my life. It was a, a real stumbling block, and it created a, uh, something of, of a chain, a bondage in my life. The Holy Spirit, one day, just illuminated it to me. To me, it was in the past. It was something, it was just a, a minor thing that happened in my teens, but God highlighted to me that actually it had damaged me more than I knew, and it needed to be dealt with as part of the whole thing of getting over a fear of rejection. How did I do it, you might ask? Well, the Holy Spirit helped me to... Firstly, I had to remember the names of some of these folk. The Holy Spirit helped me to remember names of people that I hadn't seen for countless years, and I individually forgave them for the hurt that they had caused. And then I also asked God to forgive me for my attitude, for what I had done. And I, at that point, I felt a real breaking in that fear in my life. It didn't eradicate it completely, but there was a real step forward, having broken that chain from the past. I hope that makes sense, what I'm trying to say there. But it's not only particular events that can lead us to fear. It can be uh, the way we've been treated by significant people in our lives. So, for instance, if a parent... Uh, treated you badly in some way. Maybe they were never there or they always spoke harshly to you or didn't show you any love. These things can also have huge ramifications on our current relationships. 
and even on the way we relate to God. So, for example, if a a parent was a bully or a tyrant, we may fear God as being a bully or a tyrant. But this is not what the Bible means when we are told to fear God. Consider how you might react to meeting a great king. Now, you might fall at his feet in reverence and awe, maybe even praising him for who he is and what he's done. Or you might run away from him in fear of what he might do. A little bit of Greek here now. There is a word, a Greek word, phobos. It's actually spelt P-H-O-B-O-S, but it's pronounced phobos. And you may have guessed it's where we get our word phobia from. And that word phobos is interpreted in the New Testament as fear. But it actually can mean a number of different things. It can mean terror. It can mean mean afraid, or it can mean awe, or reverence. And so, in the New Testament, we see this word being used in a number of different situations, where, yes, we should be terrified, or, when it's talking about God, we should be in awe and reverence of him. If we consider all the things that the Bible tells us of God, about his abundant mercy, his amazing grace, of his incredible love, I think we can see that it's not terror we should be having towards God, but a reverent awe, a wow, amazing God bowing down before him. But to get back on track, if you like, to get back to where I was. I just want to look a little further at my own testimony and how, again, that has affected my life. My own father was, he still is, a workaholic and an alcoholic. And growing up, When he was around, he was quite often drunk. He was absolutely unable to show love. And he got that from his father, because his father was unable to show him love. And so I grew up with one of the most significant people in my lives unable to show me love, and in fact a fear of him. In fact, many fears seem to have come out of that poor relationship. A fear of not being wanted, a fear of rejection, a fear of being unloved, even a fear of growing up to be the same. These I took into my relationship with God. And during my teen years, it felt to me, God didn't seem to care. He was never there. So I rejected him. So having given my life to Jesus as a 10-year-old, 
come 13, I started to turn my back on God. I stopped going to church because those fears that I'd received from my father, I think I projected onto God. But praise him, he didn't leave me there. At the age of 19, he gently led me back. And having been baptized in the Holy Spirit, my relationship with God was transformed and I started to work through these fears in my life. I was able to forgive my dad and also sought forgiveness from God for my wrong actions, both to him and to my dad. And over the years, as my relationship with God has grown, as I have sought him more and more, I have become a less fearful person. And this is what I want you to be as well, less fearful. So in conclusion then, I'm going to read two verses of Scripture. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God loves you so much. We can cast our fears, our worries, our anxieties on him. And Psalm 34 verse 4, Psalm of David. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me. From all my fears. God will deliver you from your fears. You need to seek him. We all have fears. But in developing our relationship with God. As as we seek him. As we cry out to him. As we desire more of him in our lives. we, We will start to see those fears being conquered. We need to be aware that both people and events in the past can have significant impact on our current fears. They do need to be dealt with, but once they're dealt with, we need to move on from them. The Holy Spirit can and will lead us to remember and deal with those, those things from the past. But he does it lovingly. He does it caringly. He doesn't pile them up in front of you and say, right, we're going to deal with them all right now. But he works through it at a pace he knows that we can cope with. But he does keep bringing us back, encouraging us to deal with them. I'm going to stop there Um, but I I think it's important that we have an opportunity to pray these things through to have a a ministry time maybe for some of you as you've listened to what I've said especially what I've testified to what God's done in my life you're thinking "Yeah, yeah I can see that that's something I need to deal with in my own life as well Maybe you're just struggling with a particular fear and you don't know why.
We need to bring these things before God. And what, what I want to do is I think it's good to worship God, so I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come up. And we're going to have a time of worship to finish. But actually, I, I think to ask someone to come up to the front to be prayed for when they're struggling with fears is maybe a little cruel on my behalf. So I'm not going to do that. But what I'd like us to do, actually, and remember, that, you know, this, this could be a step of real boldness for you. I, I think it'd be good if you'd like to be prayed for this morning... I'll give you two options. One, I, suggest, I would like ask you, this is the best one, is to put your hand up. And I'd like for those who feel up for praying for people to break fear, I'd like you to go, just one or two of you, to go gather around those folk. We can do that now. If you want to put your hand up, let's start to do that. Or, if you're really, really struggling with something, then nudge the person beside you or turn around and nudge someone that you want to pray with you and ask them to pray for you because I think it's absolutely vital that we start to deal with these fears in our lives so if we could start playing but as we start playing can we let's stand and put but if you want to be prayed for put your hand up and folks look around If you see someone with their hand up, can we go and pray for them, please? If you don't want to put your hand up, then I suggest you nudge someone next to you and say, look, I want to be prayed for. Please pray for me.